0: Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader.
1: When you find yourself in a leadership position, a natural reaction is to compare yourself to others, but double down and focus on your own skills, what got you to that position in the first place, because that's probably the thing that people most valued you on anyhow.
0: Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Breeze. Jonathan's the CEO of Symplectic, a research management company that helps universities, institutions and funding organisations achieve their research goals. Jonathan joined Symplectic in January 2012 as VP of Development, and after only a year he became a CEO. Is a successful IT professional with over 15 years of experience leading the delivery of research management software solutions to many of the world's top research institutions. Jonathan joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Jonathan. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about your organisation, what it stands for, what you do, what you're working towards, please?
1: Absolutely. So I'm a CEO of Symplectic, uh, which is a, a complicated name, uh, but we are part of a company called Digital Science. Mm-hmm. So Symplectic itself uh, was a startup company it received investment, uh, and we've retained our, our brand and our identity. And Digital Science is a, is a tech company, so Symplectic Uh, develop software and maintain software and we're a tech company that is specialized in developing software for making research sort of smarter more collaborative more efficient Um, there are I think well there were 8.9 million full-time equivalent researchers in 2018 according to a UNESCO report so that's a lot of people undertaking research and they don't all have access to Uh, up-to-date tools or in fact they might be using software tools or applications that are not really fit for purpose and so digital science's mission is to introduce uh, new software new technology to help researchers. My team or the Symplectic team um, we've been going for about 20 years
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, and we are responsible for two software products one is designed to help uh, funders of research uh, manage the awards uh, of funds for people who undertake research. Mm -hmm. And our other software products is used by uh, institutions, uh, universities, research institutes to, to track the research activity in their organisations. Okay. So we, we have a yeah really a wide range of users and clients that use our products in 20 different countries. Okay. Uh, and we're effectively part of the sort of research ecosystem uh, as both symplectic and digital science.
0: Fantastic. And then, so you've been with the organisation, is it just over 10 years?
1: I have, yes. I I first worked for Symplectic uh, as as essentially one of their first clients. I was a representative of one of their first clients. And then I enjoyed working with them so much. uh, And uh, with a little bit of persuasion, I I, I joined them in 2012.
0: Oh, great. And and so as the leader of that kind of organisation at that stage in its life cycle, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment?
1: Um, so yeah, the last last ten years we've we've grown uh, from uh, a team of twelve when I when I joined, uh, and when there's now over seventy of us within the within the yep. organisation. Um, our main issues right now are probably very similar to everyone else, which is uh, about people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, we're we're still growing um, and we're a tech company, lots of other tech companies that are also growing. So it's Mm -hmm. a a very competitive space. And so we've been spending a lot of time recently on uh, finding better ways to attract and retain people with the right skills. um, But importantly, the right attitude as well to, to grow our business. Yeah, We've, yeah, we found a lot of people uh, obviously have embraced remote working, which is uh, you know really uh, enabled by uh, in our industry and with technology. Mm-hmm. But also, people want to have uh, work for a company that has a has a mission that makes sense for them they want to be able to make a bit of a difference
0: yeah, and
1: because we're part of that sort of research ecosystem and research is about progress and introducing change and improvements yeah. um we are able to attract uh, good people and then our effort is, is really about retaining them and giving them interesting work to, yeah. to continue to work on
0: absolutely i think there's a lot of organizations that are focusing on their their evp so what makes them unique as an employer because you want to uh, effectively repel the people that you don't want to to work with you and attract those that do. So it's all about people that are aligned with your mission, your vision and your values. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really
1: important. And when when we say these things during the recruitment process, we've also got to follow through on them as yeah. well because yeah, we're, you know, we're quite a, an innovative company where digital science itself is, I think it's about 11 years or 12 years. So it's a relatively young organisation. Yeah. And we've grown really quite rapidly over the last 10 years. Uh, and that means there's oodles of opportunities to improve things and uh, in, introduce change. But then there's also the perception uh, of our brand and our messaging during the recruitment process. And, and those two things need to sort of also gel once people have joined us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the other challenge we have, in fact, we're working on right now, is how do we... Um, enable our staff to to feel comfortable uh, meeting and working in our London office again. So mm-hmm. for a long period, essentially two years, we've yeah. we've mostly been remote. Uh, we definitely have been open, but we haven't had our, our full team together for, for a long, long time. So um, we've been uh, yeah grappling that problem. How do we enable people to still have the benefits of working remotely? but also ensure that we still get those sort of serendipitous moments when people come together and they work alongside each other. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a balancing act, but that's certainly a, an issue for us uh, at yeah. the moment, which is very real and that we're, we're working on with, with, our, with our team.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, and so I use the uh, analogy of a pendulum. I think the p- pendulum's got to keep swinging. So we got everybody out of the office safely. And now we're getting everybody back in the office. And it'll be a little while before we all figure out what's comfortable and what works for us. Because I, I think if the pandemic's done one thing, it's it's been the end of the one size fits all approach yeah. and i think it's about understanding what what works for each individual organization and each individual within Absolutely. Each and organizations.
1: It's, it's it's been really uh, challenging for newer members of our team
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we we tend to recruit uh, software developers in london um, sort of early career so yeah. they haven't got a huge amount of of experience and they they've got so much to learn with from their colleagues mm-hmm. and when their colleagues are on zoom there's a lot of formal process that goes for, you know, asking a question, whilst if they're surrounded by colleagues with you know, tens of years of experience, they can just utter something and someone will give them advice. Yes. So it's really about making sure that our, our new starters uh, get the same experience as a lot of us had when we joined that company now yeah 10
0: years ago yeah it's, it's the, like you say the serendipitous moments it's the things that happen by os- osmosis i think mm-hmm. that i have concerns about for the early careers people but like i say we'll we'll figure it out i guess in the process of time
1: we we will yes we will
0: and so we took just before we started recording the podcast we spoke briefly about your journey into leadership and how it was did she use the word unexpected or organic
1: <laughs> sure both of those uh, both <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've I've I haven't exactly worked from the shop floor all the way up to the top, but um, I I it took me a while to find what my career path was.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, it took me a while to uh, start a career in IT. So I had a, a good number of jobs that were absolutely nothing to do with the uh, the sector I work in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I worked my way up from... Essentially, I was bad at everything I did, so I wasn't a very good analyst i wasn't a good developer i wasn't a good project manager and i just i, I kept on acknowledging that i wasn't expert at one thing but i was mm-hmm. quite good at a broad range of things so a okay. sort of specialized generalist is the is the polite phrase <laughs> um and that's and that's a good uh fit for someone who's then given responsibility to to run a team and, uh, and run a commercial team as well mm-hmm. you have to be able to dip into lots of different things mm-hmm. so my my journey i guess is from my uh before, where I was before I joined Symplectic I was a, a, a project manager a program manager so I was comfortable leading people people that didn't report to me to complete projects and when I joined Symplectic I was responsible for uh, the product team so I was able to lead a product team of my own and then but stepping up to the CEO role I, I had to sort of change a little bit as to how I approach things. And, and back then, the team was around a team of 20 that I already knew. So being the CEO was a, a kind of a grand name uh, for someone who's effectively running a small team. But in that role, I was also then, rather than just running the product team, I was being asked to present at conferences and uh, attend client meetings and report to shareholders. So it was a real... Um there were a set of things that I had to do as a as a leader that were a bit different to what I'd done in the past. Um uh, I guess in yeah, the last eight or more years, I've also spent a sort of really unhealthy amount of time looking at sort of finances of the business. Mm-hmm. Um that's been pretty important for me as a as a leader. That's where I get my sort of superpowers from. If I if I know exactly what's happening in the business, both our costs and uh, where our, our money's coming in. Um, that's something I have to rely on to to make sure I can make the right decisions. And it's also something I, I, I quite enjoy as well. So that's, that's kind of handy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so are there, I mean, you mentioned those superpowers and being that specialised journalist was the term that you used, I think. But thinking about the skills and the characteristics of great leaders, do you think that there are characteristics that all great leaders share or is it very much case by case depending on the situation or the organisation?
1: Um, I've been quite fortunate at Digital Science and that Digital Science itself made a strategic decision to invest in uh, startup companies so I've, I've effectively worked with lots of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, people who have taken the risk to start their own business or start their own venture and I would call those the sort of the visionaries. The, the people have got a really great idea, or uh, either a problem that they want to uh, to solve, or something they've seen in the industry that we work in that mm-hmm. needs needs improving. Um, they're really impressive people. They're really accepting of of risk. And you have to be able to accept some level of risk if you're, you know, in charge of an organisation. And uh, they can also be exceedingly dogmatic, work crazy hours, maybe get some of the people that work for them to work crazy hours as well. So, you know, they could be so uh, fixated on uh, on the end goal. Um, And that's definitely one type of leader. I'm not that leader. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more of a sort of incomplete leader and there's a really good article uh, in the Harvard Business Review about incomplete leaders it's it's written uh, some years ago where it basically says leaders need to accept that they can't be can't be the person running at the front making all decisions uh, they'll either burn out or they'll become a blocker for for improving things
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and an incomplete leader has a few skills and you don't have to have all the skills I, there's a really lovely phrase in that article called, uh, which they refer to as sense making.
0: Mm-hmm. So sort of
1: making sounds what it is what it sounds like, you know, making sense of things. But looking at things in different ways, taking on different information, talking to others. Um, I, I think that's a really important skill set of a of a leader. You, you you don't have to be the person making all all the calls. Um, and doing that independently it's really important that you have a good network of people around you and you can have those connections and make those yeah. decisions together and it allows you to bring people with you as well when you when you do that
0: yeah fantastic and then thinking about the so your previous careers or people that have shaped your previous um experiences are there either people or experiences or a piece of advice that someone's given you that shaped your approach to leadership and how you go about leading the business now?
1: Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. I have uh, thought about that one actually uh, more recently, that when I first became CEO, uh, we were under a lot of pressure to grow the business uh, uh, more quickly than it had already been growing. So it was a bit mm-hmm. of a hockey stick graph. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at that, and uh, I've, I, I wasn't panicked, but I wasn't. I started to doubt myself as to whether I was the right person to to enable or to to make that happen, allow, allow us to grow that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get some advice from someone else who had. Gone Gone through a sort of similar challenge and I can't quite remember his exact words but he basically said don't worry about years two and years three you might not even get out of year one and, and, it, and it was Really good advice because when you've got a lot of pressure, and especially where you've got uh, you're in a business which you're trying to grow, which a lot of startups are obviously trying to do, mm-hmm. focusing more on the more immediate, focusing on the challenge that you're immediately faced with, yeah. was was a really good uh, bit of advice. And and also recently I've been working with people who uh, work with other leaders, and and it's really tempting to to start comparing yourself to other leaders Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and seeing where their strengths are and thinking oh goodness they they do something in you know in a way that I could never do and again the advice was well don't worry about them focus on yourself focus on what you're good at so I, I, I think when you find yourself in a leadership position a natural reaction is to compare yourself to others but double down and focus on your own skills what got you to that position in the first place Mm -hmm. because that's probably the thing that people most valued you on anyhow rather than doing those unfair comparisons okay
0: I always think to your first point, I think good leadership is always about balancing those tensions because the leader, you have to be horizon scanning, but you're absolutely right. When the pressure's on, it's about the next best step, isn't it? What can I do right now? Yeah. What's what's the focus yeah. right now? Yeah, I agree completely. And then, So in terms of advice that you would offer to someone looking to follow in your footsteps, so either they were going to go in and, and develop a business. So they were going to get in right at the start and build a team as you, as you have, or they're someone that's just about to take a step up into, a leadership position what advice would you offer them
1: so it's don't be the shouty person uh, trying to command everything and control everything nobody likes that um, no. it's the it's a bit of a stereotype of a, of a boss <laughs> um, but leaders aren't really bosses so they've, they've got to bring people with them yeah. Um, and if you are that shouty person, then it definitely doesn't do you any good in the long term because it's, it's quite damaging. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my advice would be to, to focus on the things that, you know, your, your own strengths. Um, and if that's, you know, thinking things through at a strategic level or working through problems with others, then do more of that. I think it's, it's, it's really tempting if you find yourself in a leadership role, especially the sort of step up that I had, is to suddenly try and become someone else or behave in a different way. Mm-hmm. But really, it, uh, you, know, you should have the conf- confidence to, to think about the things that you're good at and, mm-hmm. and bring people with you. I'm, I'm so fortunate at Symplectic. I've got a, a fantastic management team and, and they've been with me throughout that journey. So I feel me being CEO is just sort of part of the story. It's really about having a, a good, uh, great relationship with, um, with peers who are on the journey with you. And and okay on occasion, I have to make the difficult decisions, but mostly they're decisions that other people are quite happy for me to have to take. And they'll yeah. support me in the other areas as well. So I guess the other advice is just just get great people to work alongside you or, or with you yeah. rather than be subservient to you because it's definitely a, a, a team game growing a yeah. business. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Brilliant. And so in terms of um, people that have influenced you in the past, we spoke a little bit again before the podcast, but with regards to great leaders, past or present, famous or otherwise, is there anyone in particular that stands out for you? And if so, what is it about
1: them? Well, I have to say, Steve Jobs, because I work in IT, and who doesn't like the? Uh, and just one more thing at the end of their uh, their, their conference, which uh-huh. I think I've attempted to do once, and I, yeah. I couldn't really emulate. But uh, yeah, the excitement of introducing something else was a nice surprise at the end. Um, he he was inspirational and someone to admire because he had such a clear vision of a customer experience Mm -hmm. and and in IT we sometimes think about sort of features functionality requirements Uh, but he wanted an experience and then he worked with others to make sure that uh, you know the products uh, met his expectations, or increasingly met his expectations. So he was a real class act, uh, probably yeah. not to be repeated. And then equally, Tim Cook, who took over from uh, Steve Jobs, and sadly when he passed away, or just before, mm-hmm. um, that was just over ten years ago as well. And I'm definitely not drawing parallels to myself because they were <laughs> very, very different businesses. But he, he, you know, stood in, you know, had to step into someone else's shoes who was greatly admired. And there were lots of questions about him when when he joined and, uh, sorry, when he became CEO. Um, And he did things in his way. He was quite operational and he focused on the operations and the business side, uh, not necessarily exclusively on the product side of the business. Um, and he's, yeah, Apple are stronger than ever before, he's a billionaire, and he's also said he plans to give away his fortune, so what what better leader to, to emulate uh, yeah, and yeah. to think about that, you know, when you're growing businesses, it's not just for yourself, ultimately, it could uh, bring benefits to others as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you read the Steve Jobs autobiography?
1: So um write, i confess so. i've not read the autobiography but I've definitely seen the film and i've definitely read many many articles
0: yeah yes yeah yeah it's, a, it's worth a read if you get the chance and and speaking of which so with regards to books that you've read or been influenced by or podcasts that you you consume regularly i'm always really interested to understand what ceos are consuming and what shapes you thinking so does anything stand out in that sense
1: well, I'm I'm actually currently enrolled on a Cambridge senior management program at the okay. Judge Business School at the University of Cambridge. So I could give you just a massive reading list. So this has <laughs> been really fantastic uh, to be on uh, that course. It's mm. it's it's been really nice actually to 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 be a bit academic, almost like a return to college or return yes. to school to think about business and all sorts of things. So sort of creativity in business, managing strategic projects um operational things uh you know the importance of customer data it's a real broad spectrum of topics
0: um right.
1: and but so much of that content uh is talked about in the harvard business review and i think if you haven't subscribed or you haven't registered with the harvard business review uh, and you're in a in a business role whether you're in a managerial role or a ceo role or a c-level role then that's an absolute must for me because there's so many topics um that are covered and also if you're short of time they're also quite short so yeah. the idea of reading a book um uh, is is a bit daunting uh, if you're you know yeah. grappling with uh, running a business i've i've got a book on my desk which i waved at you earlier called mm-hmm. the, the decision book um it, it's a it's about models it's about modeling um problems and challenges both about yourself and about others working with others business challenges and essentially it's about boiling down the problems that you're being faced with and plotting those on a couple of axes in the most, in most cases. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of different approaches for modelling problems or challenges and visualising a problem um, rather than having to scratch your head or uh, write it all out verbatim, doing a short visualisation. You know, everyone appreciates a Venn diagram because there's usually, a, you know, at least three options. Yeah. Um, but even if i don't pick up the book and read it all the time i've always got it sitting in front of me because it's basically saying about make decisions mm-hmm. you do have to make timely decisions as a yeah as a as a ceo or, or as a leader yeah
0: That looks worth a
1: look. I may be on Amazon this afternoon. I've got one other book, which is called The Road to Nab End by William Woodruff, which is a fantastic story, uh, autobiographical, uh, about a young boy born in Lancashire in the 1920s. And there's sort of straw on the floor, and his mother worked in the mill, and she had to return to the mill a few days after giving birth. And it's his reflection of his childhood and how tough things were and how... How they had a uh, sort of a dream and a vision of, of getting to this street called End, where there was a you know a nice house essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really amazing story. It's both troubling because there was so much poverty you know just just under 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's still a lot of poverty now. and uh, to read that story, it's a real r- reminder of the challenges people go through, yeah. but it's also a reminder of how going through those challenges you learn a lot um and so it's a it's a book i often quote because um you know when when you're striving for something it's not just the end destination it's how you how you get there as well so it's a it's a lovely book to read brilliant thank
0: you for that one i'll look that one up as well and and so what's what's happening at symplectic over the next six nine 12 months what can you share with us about what's what's going to be happening this year
1: well, I'd, I'd like to think uh, my team will be back in the office at, at multiple points throughout mm-hmm. the year. Um, we, before the pandemic, we also used to have user conferences with our clients, and they would be in different parts of the world. So we're, I'm looking forward to. Uh, not only myself seeing a meeting with with clients, but also our new members of my team who yeah. need that connection uh, with our clients. Um, last year we merged with um, another business within digital science, so our team got larger. Um, merging two former startup companies is uh, is a bit of a, a bit of a headache and a bit of a challenge. And doing that exclusively over Zoom has definitely been a challenge. I can imagine. So we will be doing a lot of sort of team uh, work and. Sort of unification of how we do things and we're continuing to invest in our products uh, the customer experience especially sort of the onboarding process for our clients which can sometimes be a bit uh, daunting for uh, some of our newer clients so Mm -hmm. yeah working on customer experience products teamwork And if the last two years has taught us anything, that whatever we plan right now, probably have to change it (laughs) in (laughs) a couple of months' time. So, um, yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure the next six to 12 months will be just as interesting as the last two Um, years or so.
0: Expect the unexpected, I think, is the tagline of the last couple of years. Jonathan, thank you. It's been brilliant speaking with you. I really enjoyed learning about your, your background and your story. So thank you for taking the time.
1: You are very welcome.